Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up later, you know, everything's about family cell phone plans. What if you're just an individual trying to buy cell phone service? Then what do you do? Before that, though, we're going to talk about making sure that we treat our kids as best as possible. School's getting ready to start in some parts of the country, and there's something simple that we need to do for kids that very few school systems do in the United States. So I want to talk right now about Social Security hacking. Not somebody using your Social Security number to apply for credit, pretending that you uh, somewhere trying to buy a car as if they're you, whatever. I'm talking about people trying to hijack your money from Social Security. Okay, this is crazy, but it is something that fortunately doesn't happen a huge amount because I don't want to create panic, but is an ongoing problem where a criminal will convince Social Security that you have changed your address and also changed your bank account. And so they will then suddenly be receiving your Social Security money direct deposited into an account they've set up impersonating you, and suddenly your Social Security stops coming to you. In the more creepy case, a lot of people like me plan to wait way past age 62 to claim Social Security. Well, what criminals do is they will do an application for Social Security pretending to be you when you turn 62 and it looks like you've started claiming your Social Security. Nothing odd about that except the money's being deposited into their account impersonating you. So how would you know? I talked about this a year ago. I want to talk about it again. And I was reminded by it because a Nobel Prize winning economist just had somebody run off with his Social Security money this way. And he wrote an item about it. What you should do is set up an account with Social Security. And you do this way before you're ever going to receive Social Security. Any of us can set up a My Social Security account at mysocialsecurity.gov. And once you've set that up, you're able to be alerted and track what's going on with your Social Security. Somebody ever changes the address of record for you with Social Security, you will get a letter from the Social Security Administration confirming that you have changed addresses. So they send one to your old address and the supposed new address. You get a letter like that, don't ignore it. Because odds are it's not a clerical error. It's somebody trying to take over your identity with Social Security and depending on your age, turn around and steal your money. 
So remember again, first step, set up an account at mysocialsecurity.gov and that creates a dashboard for you with Social Security. And other than that, any odd letters come, do not ignore them. As far as people sending letters pretending to be from Social Security and giving you a false number to call, I haven't heard of that. But as I would tell you with any letter supposedly from your bank, you want to look up the number to call your bank. Same thing with Social Security to make sure you're calling the right place. Robert's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Robert. Hey, Clark. How are you? Great, thank you. You want to help your son out? I do, but first I want to thank you for the Social Security tip. I'm going to do that right when I hang up talking to you. I'm, I've been waiting. Um, I'm past 62, and I'm waiting till 70 to collect, but I'm going to set up my account just like you said, so thank you. So you and I are part of four out of 100 potential Social Security recipients who wait till age 70. Everybody else claims earlier. And hopefully they're gonna, there's going to be enough money for us, right? We're going to be okay. Okay, good. Our, our, uh, if we have grandkids, well, them maybe not so much. <laughs> okay. Well, I could use some home buying guidance. All right. So I'm doing my best to offer some advice to my son and daughter-in-law who are living in New Orleans and expecting their first child, uh, who will also be our first grandchild. Congratulations. See, I was right about the grandkid thing. Yeah, 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 you were. So uh, so the two of them have been living uh, in a 800-square-foot uh, rental apartment for uh, $1,600 a month. Wow. And when I learned about that, I suggested maybe they looked around to, to see if they can find a house um, so that they're not just putting the money into rental. And um, so they have, and I offered also to um, to put put up $100,000 for their future inheritance as a down payment. So they found a place, and if it's their criteria for location, size, and price, made an offer, and the offer was accepted. So we're at the point now where we're trying to figure out, should we put down, should, should we put down 20%, which would be less than the $100,000 that I offered him, and then take that money and do something else with it? Or would it be better to put the full um, $100,000, which would be 31% of the asking or of the sales price? Well, I got so a question to ask you before that. Sure. Has the loan underwriter thrown up any flags about you contributing this money? Because, you know, the lending guidelines generally require that the down payment money come from funds that are in the hands of your son and daughter-in-law and not from a family member. No, they haven't, but they have requested that we send them a letter, of a gift letter that says we're going to be giving that much. And I have a question for you about that, too. All right. um, So as far as gift tax rules... You know, you're allowed to give $15,000 to your son, 15000 to your daughter-in-law. If right. you're married, your wife can give 15000 to each. And you should mm-hmm. actually write those as four checks. Mm-hmm. So you okay. can do 60 without any issues of gift taxing at all. Uh-huh. 
And in order to do this properly, if you have that kind of resources, I assume you have an accountant who helps you with preparing your income tax returns? Yes, I do. So you should talk to your accountant and make sure that you are doing everything as your accountant would like so that you don't cause yourself any uh, gift tax issues in the future. You know, there's no, there's right. no gift tax issue you face now. But right. you could face a problem with that later because of the amount of money you've given. Where that's was, 60, there's no issue. I'm under, I have the understanding that if you fill out a Form 709, that um, you, can ex, you can carry over. You have a lifetime amount of $11.4 million, from what I understand. Under the current tax give. law. Right. Yeah, so Which, here's, the, here's the issue is that the, uh, we're talking about really highfalutin stuff here, aren't we? Well, so, they'll never they'll never get that from me, but that's what I'm thinking. Uh, so I'm, yeah, I want to so, give it to them now. <laughs> so yeah, I understand. So the thing with how estate tax works is a moving target. It has changed over the last 15 years. I can't even tell you how many times. So that is true today. Who knows where that would be in the future? And uh, technically, you are correct, but that exclusion being remaining at the time, let's say you live another 20, 30 years, that the exclusion would remain anything in that range. Who knows what it's going to be then? And that's why I always love to see how much you can give under what in your case would be 60000 is what you could give and not have to worry about it at all. But 60000 doesn't get you to what you wanted, right? You, you would need how much for 20% down? Um, that would be sixty four four hundred. All right. Well, what if you just gave them sixty now? Avoided uh-huh. having to do any gift tax filing, and okay. then you know you hit the first of next year, you could turn around and give them more, or you could even make a small loan to them that you could forgive next year for the mm-hmm. other four thousand, or even for the full hundred thousand, you know, the forty thousand. It would take mm-hmm. you to a hundred. Do right. that as a loan that you would then forgive next year because you could do that under the fifteen thousand exclusion next year. I'm just looking for ways that completely eliminate any tax time bomb as tax laws change over the years. If you can stay under the radar, that would be best. And you are a kind, generous dad. Kurt is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Kurt. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. It's a real honor to talk to you. Well, great to have you here, Kurt. I had a retirement question for you. I'm about one or two years out from retirement and getting close. I'm trying to do a little bit of planning. I'm fortunate enough. I'm a public school teacher, so I've got a pension that's probably going to cover about 90, 95% of my income that I need in retirement. But uh, Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been teaching uh, about 35 years, so <laughs> been looking forward to that day. <laughs> and so you um, you are not a participant in the social security system or are you? No, no right. I have a, I've had a few outside jobs, so I'll, I'll get a real small amount from social security, but primarily okay. uh yeah, we just paid into the pension, the Calsters in California. And that fantastic though that you're going to have almost all of your prior income 
there for you year after year from your pension. Yes, it's, it's great. Earl blessing. <laughs> um, and I've also been able to, you know, save uh, supplemental uh, retirement. been trying to do that over the years. And I noticed you've always talked about, you know, having uh, a pre-tax and a post-tax pile. So I've tried to do that. I've primarily mostly uh, in uh, pre-tax with a 403B and a traditional uh, rollover IRA. But since I heard you talk about the Roth, uh, I started maybe the last 10 years, I've been maxing that out. So I've got a little bit in the Roth IRA and also a brokerage account. So my question was, I've heard different opinions on as my idea is I'll probably use this for mostly just uh, extra expenses like, uh, you know, maybe home remodeling if we needed to do improvement on the home or travel or maybe buy a new vehicle or something like that. But which, which of those piles is it best to take out first, you know? What you do is every year this is going to require you running the math so that you know what the tax rates are and the brackets when you would put yourself into the next tax bracket up. And so right. as okay. a simple rule, what you want to do is I assume that pension is taxable income to you? Yes, right. So you want to try to stay within the tax bracket that the pension generates for you in a year. So, you know, the tax tax brackets, you know, there's a 22% bracket and 24% tax bracket. Those are probably the region you're going to be in. What you don't want to do is pull enough money out of the 403B that it puts you into the 32% tax bracket for right. for money you withdraw as much as you can each year withdraw only as much as keeps you with headroom at 24% or below okay so do that before i would touch the roth or the investment account exactly because oh, okay. the the um, maximum you can earn and as a married couple is 168000 in a year and stay at the 24% tax bracket. Correct, right. So money you pull out, the first dollars you pull out, should be from the 403B because the that tax bracket is probably very similar to what tax bracket you were maybe in through your earning years. And that pension thing, how great is that for you? If you're a longtime listener to the Clark Howard Show, you have heard me do a Clark Rage very similar to what I'm going to do right now, year after year after year after year, as kids go back to school. Now, if you live in a part of the country where kids don't go back to school till after Labor Day, this seems like midsummer to you, but so many school districts around the country go back to school in the next week to 10 days. And one thing they do is most schools ring the bell too early in the morning. Having raised three children, I can tell you that they would do so much better in school if the school day started later. I mean, let's face it, a lot of schools start when they do is a convenience to us as parents. So we can drop the kids off or... Uh, wait for them to get on the bus at the bus stop, and then we can go to work and be at work under normal work conditions and start time for work. But the reality is 
the way kids' sleep clock works, particularly once they're 12, 13 years old and older, they tend to be night owls and have trouble getting up in the morning. And our kids would perform so much better if we had schools start later than we do. And I don't know why tradition, whatever, why so few school districts have adjusted to later start times. But if we really want our kids to do well, we'll make them go to school later and get out later. Again, tilting at windmills, one year at a time. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Joel and I, each individually, are like the flagships of family cell phone plans. I have 15 lines on my plan. Joel has nine? Yeah, just nine. And just nine. <laughs> but even though most of us in the country, by some estimates, three out of four of us are on some kind of family plan that really has nothing to do with necessarily people being related to us. How many people of your nine are actually related or in-laws or whatever, Joel? Uh, one. <laughs> Just my wife. Wait, you only have one person out of the other eight that you're related to? Yep. Isn't that weird? All right. So I'm the opposite. Out of my 15, 14 of them are related. Oh, you're carrying the whole family on your shoulders. I am. I've got <laughs> all these family members and it works out great. I got I got a 15th line for a friend. He's the only one who's a non-family member, although he kind of feels like he's family. But uh, you know, with the family plans, why do people do them? Because, well, the cell phone companies do them because once somebody's on one of these family plans, it's hard to ever leave. It's like Hotel California. You can check out, but you can't ever leave because the problem is somebody leaves and it starts messing up the rate plans for everybody else. So I've got all these lines that I don't pay for now because, you know, you add... You had two lines, you got one free, and that's in perpetuity and all that. So I got all these lines all over the place. Figuring out who owes me what is such a pain. But everybody benefits from the fact that I'm, you know, handling this and they're all on the plan. And I assume for you, the benefits accrue to everybody else but you handling this. I feel like we all pay the same rate, right? So we all pay, you know, roughly, I think it's like twenty one fifty a month per line or something like that, which is, in, in particular, for a lot of years, it was way cheaper than what we could get as a single single line. But it just becomes, more than anything, frustrating to make sure that everyone's actually paid up every month. And I know I hate sending that text message, oh, hey, can you, can you pay for this month's cell phone bill again? That's the most frustrating part. So, Kim, how many people are on your plan? Two. Okay. So you got one in four people that are like that, that are one person on a plan, two people on a plan. And what do you do then? Well, I've got it for you. Uh, We have worked really hard and put together a guide we change continually at Clark.com. What do you do if you're one or two people on a plan? Like right now, there's a little known company called Ting, T-I-N-G, has a deal for the next few days 
that if you sign up for the rest of this year, you pay 20 bucks a month and that gets you for a single line, unlimited talk, unlimited text, and 20 gigs of data a month. You'd be hard put to use more than 20 gigs of data a month. I mean, most people would have trouble using more than 5 gigs of data a month. But they're just one example. I've got one company after another after another that is offering deals that are great. But the one that's always been the most difficult to crack for an individual has been Verizon. Verizon historically by far the most expensive company to have cell phone service with. And Verizon at the same time has had trouble attracting younger people to their service because it is so expensive. So they have set up a discount arm that if you went to a Verizon store, nobody would say they'd ever even heard of it or knew anything about it. It's called Visible. And Visible is basically the invisible cell phone company with a name that's exactly the opposite of what it is. But if you go to Visible.com, there's an app that you'll see you download to your iPhone. Only works on some Androids, but works on iPhones. And you pay $40 a month, flat rate, including all junk fees, for unlimited talk, unlimited text, and unlimited data on Verizon's network, and it's from Verizon, but they don't want you to know it exists. Again, it's only there to try to attract people who are in their teens or 20s paying for their own cell phone plan, but there's no law against you signing up for it regardless of what age, and if you're with Verizon already, and you're paying much more than 40 a month for your line for unlimited data, you dump Verizon and go to their discount brand, Visible. But there's so many different options here for one individual or two. And if you go to Clark.com, right at the top, on the left-hand side, you'll see cell phone deals. Click on it, and we've got it to the minute for whatever your circumstance is, but with a special emphasis right now on one person or two needing service because everybody ignores you when you're looking for a one-person plan. As far as the best customer service rating of any company in the cell phone industry, consumer cellular is that, geared principally to people that are AARP members, but again, you don't have to be um, 50 or over, and you don't have to be an AARP member to get the deals from Consumer Cellular, but they're geared towards people who use smaller amounts of data, but the customer service, the best in the industry. Bruce is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Bruce. Hey, first of all, I started listening to you back in 2003 when my daughter went to uh, school in your city, and your good advice at the time was to max out our IRA, SEP IRA, and my wife's 403B. That was fabulous, wonderful advice. Here we are years later, and your good advice has helped us retire comfortably, so I cannot be more more uh, thankful to you for that. Well, I am so glad I was able to be of service, but remember, me putting out advice doesn't mean anything unless you run with it 
and make the changes in your life you made that created the opportunity you have to have a comfortable life and retirement. So you were the one who made it happen. Yeah, but you were the one that encouraged me to put the money away when I really didn't have the money when I was young. And it was so beneficial to me because of all the years that it's had to grow. I really appreciate what you've done for, for me and my family. Well, that's so kind of you to say thank you. Actually, my wife and I are thinking about going on a Caribbean cruise, Caribbean, Caribbean, however you say it, in January. When is the best time to book a cruise to get the best price? First of all, you're brilliant because January is when people are tapped out. The weather's lousy in so much of the United States in January. And that's when cruises tend to be of the winter months there are two times that are really good deals. One is actually not truly winter. It's early December, the two weeks right after Thanksgiving, but before the whole Christmas thing really gets going. Those Mm -hmm. are the two cheapest weeks of the cold weather season. But the Mm, the next cheapest, and I don't know if those two weeks would work for you, the next cheapest are the first three weeks of January, once you've gotten past the very, very end of the Christmas, New Year's holiday period. Now, you're talking about when to go on the cruise, right? Yes. So let's talk about about when when to book. when When to buy it. Yeah, when to book. Right. So there's so many debates in the cruise industry about that. I, I can't even tell you with absolute definition when the best time is for you to buy that cruise. I mean, as a general rule, you're going to get the best deals on a January cruise in the wave season of the year before. And wave season used to be a wave week. Now it's a period of time it goes like, oh, maybe six weeks that people buy starting in late January forward. You're well past that now to go next January. So what I recommend you do is, how many times have you been on a cruise before? Oh, three or four. I'm not real big on it because I like to eat in different restaurants and, and you know, visit, visit places for longer than three or four hours. But it's still a lot of fun. We meet a lot of fun people and don't worry about a thing. And somebody else is always cooking. So, you know, there's still a lot of fun. Especially in the winter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So <laughs> what I'd like you to do is go see a cruise-only agent in your area. There are people who hmm. all they do is their expertise is in booking cruises. Mm-hmm. And they know what you tell them is, hey, I'm looking for a week-long cruise in January, in, I'd like in the Caribbean, and you may have a particular cruise line you like, or there may be several you consider, and tell that cruise agent you want a deal because the price differences from ship to ship and week to week can be enormous. Hmm, okay. I, uh, we went on a cruise with our son in June, and we walked off the ship, and good friends of ours went on the same ship seven days later. They paid three times what we did for the same seven-day cruise. Because did you tell them that? Well, they... they um, They found out? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so it's because if you allow the the flexibility to the cruise agent saying, hey, we're looking for a deal. What do you have that the cruise line is dumping cabins? And if you look mm-hmm. online and you look like at a particular ship and you look week by week, you'll be stunned how much the same cabin will cost one week versus the next versus the next. Wow. Okay. So okay. Um, when you book, as a general rule, if you book far in advance, many times you'll get a better deal on a cruise, but you don't have far in advance, and that's why you let the flexibility of the week in January, the ship and maybe the cruise line set the best deal for you, and that's where the cruise agent's going to pay off for you. Debbie is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Debbie? Hi, Clark. Hey, you're thinking about buying condos, plural. Yes. Tell me about that, because I'm really curious. Okay. Basically, I'm 51. I need to supplement my retirement. I don't think what I've saved is going to be enough. And I have about $200,000 in equity in my house. And so I was thinking about buying a condo, living in it for two years to get the best interest rate, fixing it up a little bit, and then renting it, and then repeating that. So that in 15 years, I would have full cash flow minus insurance taxes and condo fees, of course. So there are people who have done well as nomads, and they uh, will, in order to be able to get an owner-occupied qualified mortgage, will move repeatedly over the years. And that is an interesting concept. So a lot of times people would buy a property, live in it two years, sell it, um, buy another property, live in it two years, sell it, and then the capital gains goes in your pocket tax-free. But you're thinking of buying a property, living in it two years, turning into a rental, buying another, and on like that? Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Hmm. So that about the time I retire, 15 years or more from now, that I would just have that rent to supplement my retirement. Well, that is an interesting concept. Now, the, the thing with condos is that... Uh, you face the risk that the condo will not permit rentals, even if it does today. I would not buy it if it didn't. I would check that ahead of time. Well, unfortunately, though, some condo associations will change their rules and, you know, they'll change their bylaws by a vote of the membership. And then suddenly a property you have bought that you bought with the intention of being able to rent out, you will no longer have the right to rent it out. So I would check what the laws are. Are you going to buy in just one state? Oh, only in the area that I'm very well familiar with, around a university. And Oh, I see you're in California? Yeah. All right. So find out what the law is in the state of California for changing the condominium bylaws. If it requires a unanimous vote or requires 80% Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, just so you know what the potential risk is that you might lose the ability to rent out. Okay. Otherwise, if you like this process and you're willing to continually move, you would let the market speak for you. So let's say you're in a place two years and it's really not a good time to rent it out or it's not a good time for you to buy another place. Mm-hmm. Be flexible enough to modify your plan. Okay. But if you are willing to move like that, you potentially have a good way of generating steady income for yourself 
down the road. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Diana's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Diana. Yes. Hi, Clark Howard. It was it's great to speak to you. Well, great to have you here. So, Diana, you are a business owner. I am, yes. I've been running my own engineering company now for, let's see now, seven years. And how can I be of service with your business? I wanted to know if there was a way for me to build credit with the business. Um, You know, basically, I'm looking at doing things like purchasing equipment, like things like computers or any software or anything like that. But I often get requested for a particular number, which I signed up for, you know, back when I started the business. When I They want your DMB number. Yes, exactly. DMB number. So the DMB number is the closest, Dun & Bradstreet number is the closest to kind of like a credit file for a business. But don't even even worry about that. Okay. Because the reality is I've been in business for 18 years. And if I go to buy something where I'm going to need a business loan, they are still going to pierce the corporate veil for me, and they're going to require that I sign a personal guarantee, and they're going to ultimately make the decision on granting credit based on my credit score, not the DMB on the business. Okay. Because gotcha. the, kind of fir- gotcha. the kind of firm you and I are in, there's not traditional assets that can easily be seized, and that's why I don't, I don't really care that much about the DMB number because I know as a service business, it's always going to come back to me and the liability will come back to me. So <laughs> people are extending credit based on who you are, not the assets of a business. So there may be business owners that disagree with me on that, but I think even though it seems weird borrowing against your good name and your credit... That's what you'll find you continue to have to do for the equipment for your business. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.